Good morning, I'm Stephen, I'm the pastor, and uh, I want to invite you to look into your bulletins where the passage that we're going to be looking at here in just a second is. There's a place to take notes there. Um, happy fall launch. Um, on this Sunday in particular, we have a very diverse group of people here. We have Christians, we have folks that aren't Christian that are visiting our church, um, people of other faiths, and people of no faith. Um, but I think all of us have at least one thing in common. Um, all of us have experiences that make us question, right? All of us have experiences that make us say, like, why is this happening to me? Um, if you believe in God, no matter what God it is that you believe in, there are things that happen and you wonder, where is God? Or does God even exist? Sometimes it feels like there's something in between us and God. And if that's you today, then the story we're going to look at in the Bible is for you. Now, if that's not where you are today, then this story is going to help you prepare for the future when God feels distant or when life falls apart because it happens to all of us. Now, the Bible is full of stories about real people that have real struggles just like ours. And so the Bible is the story of us. Um, the series that we're beginning today is about uh, the Bible people who are a lot like us. And the stories, they're all going to come from the Old Testament. And they're cool because these stories also teach us about Jesus even before he shows up. So the Old Testament is all written before Jesus came. And when we connect these stories to Jesus, they teach us how God relates to us today. And so we're going to read Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 to 14. Um, it'll be on the screens. It's also in your bulletin there. So Friends, listen, this is the word of God. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what had become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? 
Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of, bringing on his people. This is God's word. And so this story talks to us and shows us what's between us and God. We're going to look at three things that are between us and God from this story. First two are bad, and the third one is good. So first, what's between us and God from this story? First, time. Time is between us and God. Time that makes us ask the questions, where is God, and why do I have to wait? Okay, this comes from Exodus 31, uh, 32, verse 1. It says, remember, did you notice when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain? Okay, that's when they built, they made the golden calf. So Moses was up on the mountain talking to God. He wasn't coming down. And so Moses wasn't coming down. God wasn't coming down. Sometimes it feels like God is gone, doesn't it? It's been such a long time, and, and we wonder, like, does God even care anymore? Now, this makes me ask the question, why does God make us wait? There are things in our lives, struggles, problems, issues. We pray, and we pray, and we pray, but we hear nothing. We get no answer. We struggle. We want God to fix things, but he doesn't. Um, last week, I was talking to somebody about this, and they said that, that waiting feels sometimes like entrapment. You know, that we wait and we wait, but then we get angry because we can't wait anymore, and then we get in trouble with God because we got angry. It's like, why does God do this? Why does he make us wait? One reason, here's one reason, is so that we can know God better. What does that mean? Sometimes God makes us wait so that we can know him better. Because when we have to wait, we actually experience more of what it's like to be him. Think about that. Throughout the Bible, throughout history, God is waiting for us to respond to his love. God is waiting for us to leave our sins. He's waiting for us to spend time with him. God is waiting for us to love our neighbors. There's a couple of places in the Bible where God says this specifically. In Romans 10, verse 21, it says, God says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. God waits and waits and waits and waits. Jesus himself said in Matthew 23, 37, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hand, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. And so, waiting is an opportunity for us 
to commune with God. Waiting is a chance for us to know what it's like to be him. For us to wait with, and I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating this, I'm not saying that it's easy. When we have to wait with pain and disappointment and frustration, that is for us an opportunity to enter into God's own pain and disappointment and frustration. To have to be patient in waiting is to commune with God's own patience. Waiting just it gives us a taste of just how much God waits for us. And so we see that God is constantly waiting for a world that cannot wait for him. Because we don't want to wait like he does. We say forget it, we move on. And when we do that, when we move on from God, something else comes in between us and God. So it's not just time, but now what comes between us and God is sin. Sin, that's our second point. What's between us and God? Sin, when we don't want to wait. In this story, the people didn't want to wait. They didn't want to wait for God, and they ran headlong into sin. Aaron, make for us gods. And Aaron took their gold and made a golden calf, and the people worshipped it. They replaced God with a bull. Now, a bull is strong, yes, but God had just destroyed Egypt for Israel. It was the most powerful nation on the earth at the time. God parted the Red Sea so that Israel triumphantly marched out of the shackles and the chains of slavery. No bull could do this. And representing God with such an image is a gross affront to his real power. And it violates the second of 10 commandments that God gave to Israel just a month earlier. Now to us, that seems so silly, it seems archaic, but we do the same thing today because we also substitute the true God for things like wealth, career, stuff, even friends, marriage, or children. These things that make us feel powerful, they make us feel strong, they make us feel like we matter. But their power is nothing compared to the power that comes from worshiping God. God gives us power to endure anything, including the power to wait patiently, where we're strong enough to endure suffering and loss and loneliness. But we, just like Israel, we leave the true God and exchange his power for something so, so much less. And these other things don't actually give us power. They actually make us weak because without them, we feel like we are nothing. And so... Two bad things that come between us and God, time and sin. The third thing that comes between us and God is actually the solution to the first two. It answers the question, what can bridge the gap between us and God? And the answer is a mediator. A mediator. We need a mediator to bridge the gap. When we reject God, what we deserve is judgment. When we turn our back on God, judgment from God is actually giving us what we want. 
we walk away from God and God says, okay, okay. He lets us be separated from him. He lets us experience life without his presence. But Moses in this story is the mediator who stands between the justice of God and God giving us what we really need. You know, the people need God, and so Moses, as mediator, pleads with God for mercy. In Exodus 32, verse 12, he says to God, turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. And so Moses is pleading for God to forgive his people. He's, he's pleading with God to give them mercy. He's mediating here. In verse 10, God says he's going to judge the people and start over with Moses. But Moses mediates. And Moses, I don't know if you saw this, but Moses, actually you didn't see this because I haven't read this yet. Um, Moses even offers himself. Because this conversation between God and Moses keeps going. And in verse 32 of this chapter, Moses says this to God. He says, forgive their sin. But if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. And so what we see here is that the line between justice and mercy is a mediator. And in this way, Moses is a picture of Jesus. In this way, we actually can see that Jesus is even better than Moses. Why? Well, because Moses said, forgive them or blot me out. But on the cross, Jesus said, forgive them by blotting me out. Moses pleaded with God to give his people mercy instead of justice. But Jesus guaranteed that God would give his people mercy by suffering God's justice for our sins. The line between justice and mercy is a mediator, and Jesus is the final mediator between God and man. This is why we believe in Jesus. Jesus is proof of God's forgiving love. Jesus shows us the lengths to which God will go to bridge the gap between us and him and bring us close. And when you receive this love from God, it changes you. Do you want to receive this love? Do you want to have this love fill your heart so that you know that you are right with God? Well, confess your sins. Simply confess your sins. Confess that you have worshipped other things and you believe that Jesus was blotted out on the cross to bridge the gap between you and God. Commit your life to following Jesus and you will start or restart a relationship with him. And this start, this restart, it produces a changed life. Remember earlier we saw that God waits constantly for a world that cannot wait for him? We saw that earlier. Um, well, when we learn to wait for him, we actually find that we are waiting with him. Waiting takes on a whole new, a whole new dynamic when you believe in Jesus. Because when we keep praying and asking, when we keep remembering that God is good, we have new experiences. 
when life falls apart, when things aren't the way you want them to, but you pray and you ask and you remember that God is good and Jesus is proof that he is good, we have new experiences. We remember God is good. God loves me. God could change this, but he isn't. So there must be a reason. One of our elders, John Lee, said this just last week. He said, I pray for things in earnest, but it's usually not until I get to a place of acceptance and peace with whatever God wants that he answers. He's like, just one example. After law school, I prayed and prayed and prayed that I'd be able to get a job in San Diego. But it wasn't until I was honestly okay with whatever God wanted that I got a job out here. And he said that when this happens, he's like, he said, I learned that the things that I want aren't actually what I really need. What I need is God. What I need is to trust him. And when I get to that place where I know he's good, even if I don't get what I pray for, and then it shows me that God really is first in my life and ahead of everything else. So waiting gives you the chance to surrender to God, to show that you trust his will. It shows you, like, do you really believe that God is good? The waiting shows you if you believe that or not. Do you really believe that God loves you? Waiting is an opportunity for you to remember that he does and to show by your life that you believe it. And so it's as we pray daily, sometimes against what feels like a brick wall, right? It's as we pray daily that we end up aligning our lives with him. So prayer does change things. Prayer does have an impact. God was going to destroy the people, and Moses interceded for them, and God relented. And so prayer does change things, but more often than us changing what God might do, prayer changes us and aligns us up with what he is doing. Because if God doesn't say yes, then we can ask ourselves, how can I line up with his no? What more might God be doing in the world that this no is a part of that bigger thing? What bigger picture of God's work can he want me to see by wanting me to wait? And these questions, these questions are ours. These questions are waiting for us in the prayer room in the place of prayer, in the place of reading the Bible, in the place of communion with God. God wants to reveal so much more of himself to you. He wants to show you so much more of what he's doing in the world. If you would wait, not just on him, but wait with him and commune with him in your waiting. I feel like there's a process where we go from Anger, right? We go from anger, we're like, God, no! We go from that place to frustrated acceptance where our prayers sound more like, okay, fine. You ever pray that way? 
sometimes. Then we go to allegiance, where we can honestly say, God, not my will, but yours be done. And then the last stage of this progression of communion with God and waiting is to worship. And at this place we say, God, I had no idea what you were doing. And you fall on your face in humility and you thank God even for doing it not the way you wanted him to. And so in this way, you can turn your waiting into communion with God. And this story brings us to Jesus, who welcomes us in, who himself was told no when he wanted to avoid the cross, so that we would know for sure that God's love for us never, ever ends. So we're just getting started here. Come back next week and we're going to go to other stories in the Old Testament that will hope, that, that will bring us into the presence of God. And in the meantime, jump in. Jump in. Connect, grow, and share. Join this community. We're trying to figure this out. We don't have this. I mean, we need, if you are, if you're new here, new to our community, we need you as much as you need us. We need your experiences. We need your life lived apart from God or with God to help us so that we all together can wait with him and commune with him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you.